podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us today. Man, I know we've only been off for a week, but it feels like it's been a whole lot longer since our last episode. And our last episode was a really, really good one. You hadn't had a chance to go back, listen to NFL agent Luke McMurtry. He was fantastic. He really was. Fifth Factor Plots, talk a little shooty hoops, lots of fun. Football and shooty hoops are what we are talking about today. Steven Lassen from Athlon Sports joining the show. It's always a pleasure to have Steven here. He put out his very early Big 12 power rankings a couple weeks ago, so we wanted to get him on the show and talk about those. We're going to talk about Oklahoma, Iowa State, TCU, Kansas State. He's going to answer our quick fire questions. I missed those last week. I'm still so disappointed in myself for that, but we're, we're, we're back on it. We're back on our stuff. We're back on our shit. That's the word. That's the word. Also, our good friend Daniel Alexander of Grinders with Blinders, our pro picker, is joining us today. We're going to talk about the best bets in the Big 12, talk about which teams you should be paying attention to if you want to lay some money on the line through the rest of the regular season and looking ahead into uh, the postseason March Madness. Speaking of shooty hoops, dogging Baylor is a little too easy right now. I don't think any Big 12 team in the football season has more issues with COVID than Baylor did. I don't think any... Men's basketball team through basketball season has had more issues and shutdowns than Baylor has. The women's team has had issues. I'm not going to sit here and and accuse Baylor of any sort of lack of institutional control or lack of caring about COVID-19 and the precautions necessary to keep it away from your athletic department. Maybe they're just unlucky. Maybe they just got some students who just aren't paying attention. Maybe it's the student body. I don't know. But Baylor has had massive issues. They are going on a long two-week pause. And the athletic director, Mac Rhodes, mentioned this week that there are questions about their game against Oklahoma State on February 20th. That's a week from Saturday is the next game that they are scheduled to play against Oklahoma State and Waco. And that game is in question as to whether or not Baylor will be able to play. It's not good, especially with everything that Baylor has riding on the season. This is a team that can win the national championship. They're one of the two best teams in the country, where they're one of the two teams favored to win the national championship, and they can't get this shit under control. That is a major concern. Again, I'm not trying to accuse them of anything. I'm more worried about them than anything else. I want Baylor to have a postseason. I want them to play. I want to see Baylor Gonzaga in the national championship game. I understand for those of you who don't like Baylor, I get it. It's fun to root dog on Baylor. I've been doing it for years. I'm tired of it. The people who were part of that are gone, and the fans that still think Art Briles is the best, I don't care about. This is a really good Baylor team. It's a really good Baylor team. It is one of the best basketball teams, period. I want to see the game that we all deserve to see. Speaking of which, shout out to Evan Mayakawa. If you've never been to evanmaya.com, it's E-V-A-N-M-I-Y-A. He puts out performance ratings per player. His ratings literally have... The top four players in the Big 12 all play for Baylor. Jared Butler, Davian Mitchell, Mackie O'Teague, Mark Vitale. Vital, Vital, I got it. I don't remember. 
point is, folks, Baylor's really good. I want Baylor to play Gonzaga. We all deserve that. And it's not going to happen in the Final Four. It's only going to happen in the National Championship game. So let's just all hope for that. Now, if you want to root for Gonzaga to beat Baylor, that's fine. Whatever. We deserve that game. We do. I want to see it. Speaking of Baylor, we ran a poll on Twitter. You all are so awesome. I love you. I love when you respond to our Twitter polls. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, because I need to add a Baylor shirt to my arsenal. And Homefield Apparel is the place to get one. Homefield Apparel, who makes the most comfortable, awesome, vintage college apparel there is. They got two Big 12 teams, Iowa State, and of course, our good friends, Baylor, the Baylor Bears. So I asked you which one I should get, had a couple of different options. I do still really like that script, Baylor. Yellow, or I guess it's gold on green. It's really cool, but you guys all voted. You want me to get the Sikkim Bear, the vintage bear logo, says Sikkim Bears on a yellow tee, green bear, green print. We're going to get it. It's going to happen. It's one of the most well-reviewed Baylor shirts there are. We got eight reviews for the shirt. I'm pumped. I'm pumped to have this shirt. I'm going to have it in time for basketball, for the March, well, obviously basketball season. I'm going to have it in time for March Madness. I'm pumped. This shirt is awesome. I'm very excited to add another home field apparel shirt to my arsenal. I'll be adding another one as well, but not from a Big 12 school because I've already got my Iowa State. We'll be talking about that more coming up on our Monday episode. Jamie, Andy, and myself are going to do a little bit of something, have a little fun uh, for the spring football season that's coming. So do yourself a favor. Go to homefieldapparel.com. Pick out a couple of shirts. Baylor, Iowa State. Maybe you like other schools that they have as well. Georgetown, UC Irvine, Buffalo, Delaware. They just added an Anteater shirt. Anteater shirt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's an Anteater on a surfboard. Okay. It's an Anteater on a surfboard. It's an Anteater on a surfboard. What else do I have to tell you? Go to homefieldapparel.com. Pick out a couple of things. Maybe you want some joggers. Maybe you want a hoodie. Maybe you want a sweater. They're all incredibly comfortable. We'll put a few things in your cart. Use the promo code 1012, T-E-N-1-2. Get 20% off your first order. Guys, this stuff's awesome. It is fantastic. If you haven't gone there yet, you should. If you haven't bought something yet, you absolutely should. Just make sure to use 1012 to save 20% off your first order. Stuff's fantastic. So go to homefieldapparel.com. We are pumped to have them as a sponsor here on the show. Big football news this week. We'll talk about this a little bit with Steven Lassen in our interview with him, but obviously Matt Campbell signing an extension. He's staying in Ames with a new eight-year contract that goes all the way through to the end of the year in 2028. He's also getting, and forget what he's getting paid, and forget whatever his buyout is. doesn't matter. I love this. Iowa State Athletic Department has agreed to offer Campbell $3 million for staff salary enhancements over the next three years. I always love... When a coach, when he's negotiating an extension, negotiating a new contract, negotiates for more money for his staff. I would say it's got a good staff. I'm sure he'd been fighting to keep Tom Manning as his OC, fighting to keep John Heacock as his DC. Those guys are part of what makes Iowa State so good. Props to Matt Campbell. Props to Iowa State. We're going to talk about all these teams who, uh, or reporters who are always talking about whether or not Matt Campbell is going to leave. I think Steven has a really good point on it that should make Iowa State fans feel good. I think you're going to like to hear this. I think you're going to like his point. So I think you want to stick around for that Steven last interview. All right. So make sure you're following us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at 1012pod. 
T-N-1-2-P-O-D. Uh, do us a favor. We would love to get some more reviews, especially for those of you who listen to us on iTunes. Leave us five stars. Leave us a review. I would love to read it. If you've got a suggestion for something you'd like to see on the show, like our quick fire questions that we've added since we got a great review back in December, leave them in there. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear what you guys want because I would love to add those things on the show. Unless they're stupid. If you're like, I want you to do... Um, I want you to, to teach us how to make a sandwich. I'm going to go like, well, actually, I might do that. I, I love a good sandwich. Sandwich should be a food group. It's the best food group. So leave us a rating. Five stars, please. Leave us a review. Make sure you subscribe so you get our episodes every Monday and Thursday. They come out at 6 a.m. right to wherever you listen to podcasts. With all that said, Stephen Lassen, Daniel Alexander, let's get to it. The Highball Network is your new home for podcasts that meet you at the intersection of sports and entertainment. Featuring personalities like Christine Butterfield, Madison Morris, Randy Heights, and Ryan Chapman, the Highball Network will keep you entertained while delivering high-level analysis across the entire spectrum of sports. The Winning Women podcast preaches female empowerment and covers stories of perseverance and breakthroughs for women in sports. Sideline Warning delivers fast-paced commentary on sports all across the national landscape, complete with plenty of roasts. And for you Sooner fans out there, the Heisman Park Rangers covers the entirety of OU athletics, from football to softball and everything in between. Like the Highball Network on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Highball Network to stay up to date on all our latest projects. You can find Highball Network podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. All right, it's been a little bit, but not too long. Very excited to have our good friend Daniel Alexander of Grinders and Blinders back on the show, our pro picker himself. Today we are talking hoops with him. Daniel, welcome back, man. Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me on. If I sound echoey, everybody, I'm in the middle of a move and my home office is completely stripped down. Philip and I are doing this and I'm literally just in an empty room with a computer and a desk. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah, this is great. Got some good info for tonight. Very excited about this. So yeah, I you know I I've been looking for opportunities to get you back on, and and we've talked about this on the show before. Obviously, uh, you know, as much as we all like football, you are a, a you are a an unusual individual, sir. You are an avid college basketball better, which I, as I have been told, is not a a common thing. Oh, dude, it's. It, it, you put yourself through hell. You, no one can see me. I've got a lot of gray hair, and uh, for that, yeah, I'm young. I'm still a young man. I've got a lot of gray hairs from betting college basketball for sure. <laughs> Daniel looks uh, 30 going on 75. Uh, so <laughs> that's just that's just the wear and tear of betting. All right. Well, let's, so wanted to bring you on today. We're at the point in the season now where. I think we have enough data to try and determine who some of the, the best bets in the Big 12 are in college basketball. Era. So if case someone's like, you know what, I'm, I'm bored. I want to I I start betting now, which is a weird thing to choose now. But I'm really, you know, it's, it's also an interesting way to kind of talk about, about teams outside of just like who scores the most points and who's the, who's the best defensive team. I want to talk about who some of the best bets are, what are some of the trends we're seeing, uh, COVID-related, uh, and, and, and a few things like that. So let's, let's dive in. Yeah, let's with let's, uh, and let's start with best bets. Like, like talk to me. Like, what are and I don't obviously I don't want to give you I don't want you to give away too much because I don't you know <laughs> too many of your trade secrets. 
But what are you seeing as far as the teams that you like to bet on, be it um, against the spread or when you look at over-unders? Um, let's keep it in the Big 12, if you don't mind. Yeah. I mean, Please. Um, this is a Big 12 podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, there is a trend happening in the Big 12, and I can't explain it, but I've been writing it now for about two weeks uh, with a lot of games. Um, this is pretty incredible. Big 12 conference basketball games right now are 34. Uh, they're, they're, excuse me, they're 35, 16, and one to the over versus the closing line. I mean, Big 12 games are flying over. And, and I, I can't really explain it, but it's something I sort of picked up on two weeks ago, and the trend has completely continued. Now, I hate to just be a trend, like, like, I'm not a, I'm not big on just betting like, Hey, for the past month, this is happening. So keep betting it. We talked a little bit off mic or before we recorded just about COVID trends, things like that. I think teams aren't practicing very much. And, and I'll actually share that. I know for a fact, I, I know for a fact, there are teams that aren't practicing at all. And we'll get to that part next of layoff and, and not practicing. I think, think teams are barely practicing i think uh for some reason in the big 12 defense has just been forgotten for the past two or three weeks uh i mean i don't know if historically scoring is up per team but i can tell you historically you know against lines that bookmakers set these teams are just blowing out the number and it's by a lot too. I mean, games on average have been going over for big 12 conference games by like six or seven points. So, you know, we're talking three to four possessions per game over every single game. So that's definitely a trend going on. It's definitely something that I would look at for anyone listening is like, if you see a little bit of steam or you see a little bit of movement to an over here for these next few weeks, there's a pretty good chance that smart bettors are betting this. I haven't heard anyone talking about it at all. And I just thought it'd be fun to jump on here and say, Hey, entire world, big 12 overs are like the craziest, easiest bet in the world right now for the past three weeks. And thankfully I've been on it and I think it will continue. So that's the first thing that jumps out is like, that's interesting, right? I mean, I, I can't explain it. It's crazy every hmm. night, every single night. And then you, if you look at a chart, it's just like straight up all season. Like, so, go ahead. Well, I'm, I'm curious. You've been talking about this. It's been on for a couple of weeks. Like typically Vegas does a good job of catching on to trends, right? And, Correct. And adjusting to those. Is this a situation where they are adjusting, but the scores still continue to rise or is Vegas just not made the necessary adjustment because they haven't noticed? Mm. They've noticed I feel like adjustments happen and uh, this is just sort of off the cuff and arbitrary, right? I don't know this for a fact. I have no data. I feel like adjustments kind of start happening in, in all sports betting when it gets picked up as the narrative. Um, okay. I don't know if you recall or not uh, two or three years ago when the Las Vegas Knights first started in Vegas, they were winning like every single hole. And it turned to this thing called the Vegas flu. Like, like, oh, a team would come to play the Las Vegas Knights. They're out the night before. They're partying. Uh, you know, they have to get on the rink the next day and play. 
and they lose the game. And just taking the Las Vegas Knights on the home line was something crazy, like, you know, 18 and three or not making that number up, but it was something nuts. You were up 15 or 20 units, just betting them every home game. But once it starts getting talked about, it's over. The party's over. The lines start to adjust. It gets really expensive to take, you know, the Vegas Knights, you know, once everyone's talking about the Vegas flu. And same thing, if it ever even gets talked about, Big 12 overs are just absolutely on fire. Just blind betting them, you know, I think a hundred dollar better is up like $2,000 or something this year, just blind betting big 12 overs. So if it's not being talked about, there might not be an adjustment coming. I do think it's short enough time before conference turning and before March badness aware, this can still be written out and some, some, you know, money squeezed out of the angle. And I have no idea. I have no clue why the lines are being set the way they are and they're just being blasted out the way they are. But in regard to totals, it's a great spot that I think is still live. Okay. This is interesting. All right. What's, what's next? I'm, I'm not, I'm, this is interesting. I, I want more. Um, conference play Baylor. Obviously they're very good, right? I mean, duh, mm-hmm. you know, top team in the country we're talking about, uh, you know, arguably top one, two or three, them and the Zags, you can go back and forth. Against the spread, though, it's the same, which historically isn't always the case when you have a top team. Lines get inflated and there becomes value betting against top teams in that situation. Baylor has been sneaky good against the spread and especially in conference play. Uh, It's like, duh, they're good, but then they're actually just coming out and just blowing teams out. Uh, just their margin of victory alone in in conference games, you know, they're beating the spread by eight points on average. And they're 10 and three against the spread so far this year in conference play uh, with just not a lot of resistance in a lot of games. Uh, So Baylor, and I think it's going to continue that way (laughs) off the cuff. I bet if you just sat back and took Baylor over for the whole rest of the year, you're going to go win yourself like seven or eight units. Uh, <laughs> just, just taking that. Another sneaky good team uh, in conference play against the spread so far this year has been Oklahoma. Um, I don't want to jump too far around, but uh, Oklahoma, if they get themselves to the dance, which at this point, I think they're going to find themselves there. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as the Big 12 is concerned, I feel like that's probably where your most value is. Uh, you, you know, you might know better than I, I am. I feel like they're a little bit of a bubble team. They're, they're not a for sure uh, going to get into March Madness. It, I, it, I would say at this, at this point, um, barring Oklahoma or Oklahoma State falling – just going on a losing streak it feels like the big 12 will send 12 will send seven to the day everybody but tcu kansas state and iowa state are going to go to the to march madness that's that's really again unless and at this point i think oklahoma's solid i think they're, mm. they're seven and four in conference play they're 12 and five overall i think they're fine i think the only one that you really look at and go mm, is still just oklahoma state uh they're 12 and six overall they're five and six in conference play um, but they've got two don't lose games left at home against Kansas State and Iowa State, which is the only two opportunities for bad losses. 
um, and then a bunch of quad one games. I think Oklahoma State's the only one where you, you still need a cup about about you still need a few more wins. But that's the I think the Big Twelve sending seven to March Madness this year. With that said, then okay, good because this sort of backs up how I feel about Oklahoma in March Madness. Um, they are currently priced to forty to one. Uh, of all the Big Twelve teams that are going in, uh, I feel like Oklahoma can at least make a little noise. And if you can get them at forty to one, I don't think they are going to win the national championship. Let's make that very clear. Uh, mm-hmm. I have been advantageous over the years to grab a hundred to one, a few forty to ones, a twenty-five to one that has a real shot because. You have some wonderful hedge opportunities once you get down to literally 32 teams. I mean, if you have a big enough long shot, you know, you could start hedging at 32 and you could really start hedging at 16. Now, some people hate it, but, you know, I'm betting to make real money. I'm not betting just to hit long shots. So if I can get a team that I think, you know, has a real, realistic chance to be there in the sweet 16 and I can start hedging because they're 40, 50, 60 to one. I like to take it. I think Oklahoma, as far as the big 12 concern is concerned, is that team. Uh, Baylor way overpriced. I mean, right. They're, they're literally two, one, two and a half to one to win the thing. Do they have a shot to win? Of course, but I just don't see any value there. Texas, 12 to one, not a lot of value. Texas Tech at 16 to one really surprised me. Like, I get it. They're an okay team, man. They're four and 10 against the spread in conference play. They're, they're not, I don't think they're as strong as the odds indicate. But so, you know, if you, if you have a March Madness team that you can grab, go find Oklahoma. You could probably even find them at 50 to one somewhere. So I'm curious on stuff like that. I've had I heard people have conversations. You know, you you see these preseason odds of um, with football, uh, Utah or someone's you know sixty to one odds, and you're just like that's even at at that it's such a terrible bet because they're not going to win national championship. Like you know it's going to be Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma. You know maybe you get an LSU or something like that. With with basketball, I'm I'm curious. You know, obviously you would expect a, a higher chance to be one of your one seeds, one of your two seeds, one of your teams like that. But we've seen teams kind of make runs. Mm-hmm. It does it does it feel in college basketball like those are a better investment and, and gamble than they are in football? Like is is forty to one to win the national chip in championship in basketball a better bet than forty to one to win the national championship in football? In my opinion, uh, there's no question. And the reason for that is we start with this wide open field of 68 teams, right? Uh, you see it, it feels like it almost happens every year. You get, it, you know, whether it's a seven seed, nine seed, 11 seed, someone that is like completely unexpected is there at the end. We'll say, you know, final four and at the very least elite eight, right? So, you have this entire field, and even when the field starts, even once they're announced, it's like this team's guaranteed in the tournament, and they're a nine seed or an eleven seed. It's like 
you could still bet them at 80 to one, 60 to one. It's like this team just like you have these incredible hedge opportunities just after like two games. It's like, can this team just pull off, you know, uh, maybe a win as a two point dog and then a win as a seven point dog. Like that's not that impossible, right? 45% chance in the first game, 41% chance in the second game. Like it's very reasonable that that percentage chance happens. And now you find this 60 to one, 80 to one team in the sweet 16, the elite eight, something like that. For that reason, uh, I think you have, you know, you use the word investment. There's, there's a lot of better investments you can make in regards to a national championship for college basketball, as opposed to college football, where it's like, okay, if you're not power five, you know, you're not going to the dance, right? Mm -hmm. If you're not undefeated or winning your conference championship with a great resume, you're not going to the dance for this past season, which was a strange COVID season, you know, that we know it's like, if you're Ohio state, you only need to play three games and win your conference and they'll bring you anyway. So it's like the deck is really stacked against, excuse me, in college football, the deck is really stacked against, you know, the Utah's, the, the North Carolina's, you know, those sorts of teams that aren't blue bloods. It's like, do they have a shot? Sure. Are they going to be invited to the playoffs? No. I highly, highly, highly doubt it. Like your 60 to one is dead in the water before the season starts. Yeah. You know, Look, you got money to throw away. That's fine. I can think of better places like my wallet, but, <laughs> uh, but you know, if that's, if that's a hobby, I, I, okay. I just, I never understand. It's like, here's a great bet. Like, but it's not a great bet if it's not, like if it's not going to happen, like, and we know enough by the playoff at this point. Okay. We're going, we're getting off topic no, with football. I don't know. No, let's, if, if you don't mind, just since we're talking betting, it's, it's a fun little yeah. betting story about long shots and college football national championship. The very okay. first year they had the playoff. It was sort of unknown, right? How right. is, how is this going to be approached? Well, I did my homework and I knew uh, Mark a stack team. Okay. They had, they had just had an awesome team. Uh, I even think Rock and Rakim was the quarterback, if anyone can remember him. He was the best. And I was like, hey, I think Marshall's going to go undefeated. And I don't know what the criteria is for this playoff, but it's like, I mean, if Marshall's one of two or three undefeated teams in the country, are they get invited? Well, I mean, lo and behold, they did go undefeated. Uh, excuse me. I believe that team lost their conference championship game, but they were undefeated going in like with like a week left and they were still like 200 to one to win the college football playoff. And I was like, what these guys, they're not going to get invited. They hired a publicist, tried to get invited. And it became here that first year, like doesn't matter. Like if you're a Marshall, if you're some small school, you're undefeated, you have zero chance at this thing. So yeah. Long winded yeah. version of saying long shots and March madness hold value. They give you some seriously good positions to hedge come sweet 16 or elite eight. Can you, okay. So forgive me. I don't, I don't know these things. I probably should, but um, can you bet on, on final four and, and elite eight and teams of the nature? Cause I mean, look, the national championship is what you are wanting to win. But one thing I love about college basketball that college football hasn't figured out is making a final four in college basketball is an achievement. Like we almost get more excited about who's going to make the final four 
than I think we do the national championship sometimes. Like, there's more excitement about who's going to get there, who's going to get to there. And you get the Final Four and you get the national championship. And I, and I think people care, but I think some of the excitement dies off. Whereas in college football, if you make the Final Four, uh, you're garbage because you're Notre Dame and you never had a chance to, you know, really beat Alabama, which can, is just the dumbest. Like, I don't. It, it, like, they got there. They were one of the four best teams. Well, they got their butts handed by Alabama. Like, who. Who cares? Clemson got their tails handed to them. Anyways, a whole different conversation. It's one of the reasons Mark Madge is so great. But can you bet on things like Final Four and, and instead of national championship? Because to me, I think that would almost be a better bet is trying to pick one of the four teams to make the Final Four than obviously the, the, the winner of the whole thing. Uh, yes, those bets are available. And I, yes. I think they're, they're, you know, they're probably even available on what I'll say, you know, readily available books to American betters, uh, you know, bet online, Bovada. Uh, I, I, I'm not on bet online right now. I'm almost positive. Uh, you could grab it there. Uh, Bovada, I'm sure has it. So, you know, with those two, uh, heritage probably does, they're called something else now, bet one Oh five or something like that. But, um, yeah, just there's, you can take teams just to make the final four, I think Elite Eight, I think that's as as far as they go from where you can take teams. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, so I I hate when I find stats on and things on Twitter and I forget to like bookmark the tweet so I can reference it later. Sure. So I'm yeah. not going to sit here and give you exact numbers because I don't recall what they were, but I do recall seeing something along the lines of talking about uh, trends related to COVID. And, and COVID pauses, because of course this is something we've seen all the time. Uh, Baylor's in the middle of a really long one. Um, they haven't played since they went up against uh, Texas in Austin uh, back on February 2nd. Um, they're not going to play again until February 20th. If the game against Oklahoma State happens, apparently according to Mac Rhodes, that one's still a, it's questionable. Yeesh. Um, but it was talking about trends for teams who have pauses, and obviously the longer your pause, the the more it affects you on your first game back. Um, and I believe the number they said was after just a, like a 14-day a, a pause, you saw a team on average, I think it was like by a, almost three-point difference in, in what a team offensively does. Now, if you're killing, if you're Gonzaga and you're going to go face, you know, Whoever the worst team in the West Coast Conference is, it probably doesn't matter that much. But it, it has been a, a a season trend of teams coming off of a break, and the longer the break, the worse that it gets. I'm curious from what you've seen as far as do you just stay away from games involving a team coming off of a pause, or is there value in betting on all of those games one way or the other? A great question. Uh, hey, very astute question for a guy who says he's not a. Gambling sharp, that's, your, your head's in the right place looking at this stuff. I'm serious. It's about, you know, well, finding value, as you asked, is mm -hmm. about mm -hmm. looking at situations, trying to find unique situations these teams are in. Uh, so I actually have some cool feedback for you. Uh, I've got a little, you know, just, just a little historical model set up to tell me, you know, has a team been off for 14 days, 15 days, 20 days, 25 days, what have you. This season... This speaks directly to what you're talking about. If a team uh, has had more than 17 days off and they play, they, they play a game, and so far there's been 80 instances of that, um, or one team has been off for 17 days or more and the other team has not, 
uh, fading the team that has been off for the long duration of time is hitting at 61% against the spread. So fading these long breaks, you've gone 48, 31, and one. $100 betters won themselves about 1400 bucks. Uh, doing nothing. No, don't look at the line. Who cares who's home or visitor? Nothing. I am simply betting against the team that has been on a break for, you know, 17 days plus. Uh, I think the numbers, I, I might've seen the same tweet that you're talking about. It's something like the teams that are on those breaks, uh, they're performing at like maybe three and a half or four points less than they were before the break. I think it was something like that. Uh, the reason it's relevant is because fading those teams, the teams that are covering against them are covering the spread by about a margin of three points, which is just about the same difference, right? They're not, they're not covering the spread at a margin of 27 points or, you know, whatever, eight points. And then the study says these teams are two, point, two points off. I feel like the study that was looking at the points per game and at my, you know, my little historical showing the against the spread margin, they're very similar numbers. They're, right, they're both right in three, three and a half. And so it's like, okay, you know, we have, we only have 80 games, not the biggest sample, but it's like, there's probably something here. You know, it's like, huh, walks like a duck, talks like a duck. Like, this is probably a duck, you know? Some guy's studies <laughs> saying teams are off by about three and a half. When I pull it up and it's like, man, we fade these teams in that situation. And it's like, they're not covering the spread. They're losing it by about three, three and a half. It's like, okay, we have something here. Um, it's been an upward trend all year. It's been a pretty clean chart. Just like with the Big 12 scoring that I don't think books have gotten a hold of. I feel like fading teams in this spot is still going to have some legs throughout February. What I'm curious to see is any teams uh, that have long breaks that get into uh, March Madness. I'm really curious about that. If, if it's going to happen, if we're going to see anything like that unfold, I don't know. So, so yes, to the point that you asked and to that tweet, there is something there in my yeah, March Madness. I was talking with this about this with Brian Ralph of Busting Brackets, and was really interested in this season. I think this is going to be a really difficult season to pick upsets, or either we're going to see more than usual, and it's going to be hard to pick them because you have to really ask questions. Are you St. Louis an example? That was the best ten in the A10, and they had a huge long pause, and they lost a terrible game to LaSalle, and now they're back on pause. Like it's a team that. COVID has just wrecked their season. This is a good team with high expectations. And if they make the tournament, they're going to be seated a lot lower than they would have been probably had they played their normal season. And so how are we going to deal with teams that are either underseated because they had breaks that, that hurt their season and they got in, but had they played normally, maybe they would have been higher. Or are we going to see teams that are overseeded because of that and because of COVID and maybe a team gets knocked out to a team. So are we going to see how much is COVID going to affect seeding and how much is that going to affect tournaments? So will we see more, you know, we already see you know, you're, you're 12 over five and things like that all the time. Are we going to see more of those because teams are not really seated where they should be because of the, of what COVID has done this year? And does that make it, 
Like, how does that affect betting? Is that it? Does that make you kind of more hesitant to want to bet on games in March Madness than you would be normally? Uh, no, I'm going to be looking forward to betting March Madness this year. Um, and actually, to speak to something that you just talked about, you know, um, the general public, Joe Public, loves to bet March Madness. You know, people, you know, we're talking tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of betters who aren't paying attention to the day-to-day of college basketball, uh, who aren't, you know, they don't know who's good. They don't know who's bad. They just look at where they're ranked and what they're seated and that's sort of it. And they get their money into the pool, right? I feel like this is going to create situations where, to the point you just made, a team is misseated, right? Let's say a team missed a bunch of games. They look sloppy, but maybe Vegas still has them as a good team that's going to be favored over a lot of teams, Let's say they get seated six, seven, or eight. Okay, uh, weekend warrior Joe Better, who's not following this stuff. That, those round one lines come out, and this eight, uh, you know, let's say it's you know it's a nine seed, and they're favored, or this eight seed is a six point favorite. You know, people are going to, holy crap, I can't believe it. Uh, uh, or, or you know, excuse me, it's like a, you know, they'll say the famous five and twelve seed, right? You know, you mm, get some teams yeah. a 12 seed and all of a sudden they're a four or five point favorite. It's like people are going to look at that and say, what? The five seed is that they're getting that many points. I'm going to take them where to your point, someone's misseeded because they've had this choppy season and now they have a, a, a you know, they're seated worse. It's going to create some interesting betting angles and interesting narratives come March Madness. Um, I think this is just off the cuff sitting here with you. Uh, you know, if we see teams off a big break that are seated high with expectation, a two seed, three seed, four seed that is coming in and they had any sort of interruption, any sort of problem getting there. I mean, a team like that's going to be ripe to be faded. It's some, you know, they're laying eight points, 10 points, some two or three seed with interruptions before the tournament. Absolutely ripe spot to fade them on the money line, fade them on points. This is going to be a fascinating year. It's going to be fun year though. It's yeah. So I am, I am so excited for March madness. I think part of it's just, you did, we didn't get it last year, you know, cause COVID shut the whole thing down right at that point mm-hmm. of the season that I think everyone's just excited for it. It's going to be weird. It's all going to be in Indianapolis. It's going to be in the same places. It's, I don't even care. Plus having seven big 12 teams, just as a big 12 fan, like, mm-hmm. Bring it. With bring, that, it, bring it on. With that said, as you know, mm. being a Big 12 fan, I we have seen in in other sports during COVID times that uh, ultimately it's been the favorite there at the end. There was a lot of narrative a year ago for the shortened seasons of, oh, this is going to be a landscape for an underdog to really rise up and make a run. Baseball really talked about that. It's going to be this huge playoff bracket right? Like any, it's anyone's chance. Uh, and what have we seen happen? Lakers won the championship favorite Dodgers won. They were the favorite Bama wins it all. They're the favorite. I have a feeling that if Baylor and Gonzaga can just sort of keep it together and keep the season focused and tight, mm-hmm. I have a feeling that we are going to be seeing both of those teams. Uh, I guess just a similar narrative, right? The favorite is going to be there at the end. And I, you know, I can't, 
it's hard to picture a scenario where both of those teams aren't in the final. Yeah, it, it feels like we'll, I think we'll see some upsets, especially in that middle, you know, the the, the team seeded four, five, six, seven, and maybe even three at some point. But I feel like that we're going to get to that final four that's pretty chalky. Like mm-hmm. your top four teams, whoever end up with the top four seeds, obviously your Gonzaga, your Baylor, maybe your Ohio State, maybe your Alabama, um, Michigan. Like I feel like we're going to get to that point. And you're, it's going to be pretty chalky because kind of like with football, this is a year where the teams that can best deal with attrition, have the best depth and the most talent, are going to be able to handle weird situations thrown at them. Now, obviously, with, with football, it's a lot different. You have depth matters more than with basketball because if you're dealing with COVID, it doesn't matter. You know, you, <laughs> you got six guys, you're only going to get so far. But I, sure. I am. It does feel like that trend of we're going to be kind of like the Final Four, which this is one of those years where I don't need to see eight seed versus four seed in national championship. I we all deserve Gonzaga Baylor. That game got canceled. I'm almost glad that the regular season one did because it was not going to get we get we get one, and it's going only going to happen in the national championship. I think we deserve that game. That is a those are the two best teams, and they're two of the best teams in. I mean statistically that we've seen in a long time we deserve that game uh, i want i want to watch the game give me all the upsets the rest of the way through you know give me a give me an 11 seed to the sweet 16 elite eight whatever don't care just give me gonzaga baylor and then a championship game hey if, if we're looking at past sports and how they've ended up i think i think you are going to be very happy seeing Baylor there at the end i i agree with you though i would love to see that let's see the good teams play I don't want to see some scrappy upstart eight seed there at the end versus Gonzaga losing by 18 points. <laughs> yeah. No, it's like the good. There's years where that's a lot of fun and the stories are great. This year, give me, give me just give me, we need Gonzaga Baylor. Like that game is going to be that, that game is, it's, I don't want to overbuild it, but it feels like that's going to be those games where we look back and go like that, that, that was as good as we all hoped it would be. I feel like it will be too. So, uh daniel this has been awesome always enjoy having you on the show oh you're obviously going to get you back on when we when the bracket is announced we're getting you on here because we're going to talk about betting the bracket get your get your picks and what you like and don't like oh, that'd um, be great and we'll we'll see of course what happens with conference tournaments we may get you on and talk about that as well i'm still the advocate of they should just go ahead and cancel the things but that's again another conversation for another day uh so daniel for everybody who wants to to follow you to follow uh all the picks and bets that you make, if they are so interested to do so, where, where can they? Come find me on Twitter, at DannerB7. Um, just at me, DM me, slide on in. Uh, let's see, I've got a link up where you can follow all of my plays on the Action Network app. And uh, that's it. Fade me, follow me, whatever works for you. You can see the, every single play I make. Daniel's always always a good time having you on here. Some really interesting information. I'm about to go put a lot of money on some overs this weekend, which I'm sure that uh, the under will hit across the board. And my wife will be like, "Don't ever do that again." But we'll see what happens. Uh, Daniel, as always, thanks, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon, bud. Thank you. See ya. Phillips Levin of the Ten Twelve Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're you're probably right, and it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, 
you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Obviously, the football season hasn't been over for too long it does feel like the next one will be here any moment. Spring football has already started. I believe Coastal Carolina is already like two weeks into spring football, which is crazy. Uh, but I'm always, always excited at any time of the year to get our good friend Stephen Lassen, Mathlon Sports, on the show. Stephen, welcome back to the 1012, man. Hey, Philip. It's great to be back on the show. It's great to be talking with you. And, you know, I think you hit on something there. There really is no offseason anymore in college football. I mean, the transfer portal, coaching changes, recruiting, it just keeps going. And I can tell you, I can share some small news that we at Athlon Sports already started magazine production. We're already deep into it, figuring out cover subjects, feature ideas. So, uh, like I said, it never ends. And, you know, once one season ends, we just keep going, spring practice. So, hey, we won't complain. It, it, it gives us something to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, you know, spring football started. We just had National Signing Days weird. It, it it's not. It doesn't have the the gusto it used to. It's just kind of like okay, there it went. Uh, especially with the transfer portal, and and you know, you and I before we started recording, you, you had said something I thought was very accurate. You know, normally we get out of the season, and we're we're just chomping at the bit for the next one. We cannot wait for the next one to start. And I. I feel like the end of this past 2020 season, we were all just happy to to get to the end of it and have an end to the season and have a national championship game. That there was almost like a a bit of relief just to have a, a kind of pause before we really had to start focusing on on 2021. No question. I mean, I, I can tell you from from personal experience, I was so glad to get to the finish line of this season. You know, just for many reasons. I mean, it was exhausting trying to figure out which games were going to be played each week, who was in um, the lineup in and out. There was just so much week to week chaos that, you know, when the game kicked off you know, between Alabama and Ohio state, it was just a sense of relief. There's only four quarters left, you know, getting through COVID in this season, just to get to this point. Um, you know, I was glad to get through. I know a lot of people were that I talked to in the industry. And also I think, you know, from a, you know, fan perspective, you know, I, I do think you're right when you say like when one season ends, we're already looking ahead to next year and we're excited about the next season. But, you know, I've gotten kind of a sense that everyone just kind of needed a mental break. And I know for, you know, you think about what happened with the bowl season, teams were just ready just to get away and, and end their season. And I've kind of gotten to talking to some fans, uh, you know, that I know and some friends and they were kind of like, you know, we're, we're interested in the top 25s and the early stuff, but man, we're so glad just to have a break for a week or two, and then we can jump back into it. It's much different than usual. So definitely a unique and unusual season, and uh, hopefully we have some normalcy in 2021. Yeah, I, I think we'll be 
as you know, obviously closer to normal, probably see some fans in the stands. You know, obviously, we'd expect full normal schedules as opposed to weird abbreviated schedules. Um, and speaking of 2021, you you put out your your very early 2021 predictions for the Big 12 a couple weeks ago. So I wanted to get you on and, and kind of talk about it a little bit. Um, and so so let's kind of dive in there. Obviously, you've got Oklahoma at one. Like, I don't think anyone's going to be shocked. Number one, Oklahoma. Number 10, Kansas. I think that's every prediction heading into next season. Um, I think that's what you're going to see. But I am curious from your perspective on Oklahoma. It, it feels like the narrative heading into the offseason. Uh, and really, just as soon as that that last, as soon as their win over Florida was complete, and even a little bit before then, the talk has been that not only is Oklahoma the Big 12 favorite for next year, they they do legitimately feel like, because of some of the things they're going to have coming back, especially on defense, the progress the defense made, Spencer Rattler being a year older, having that young receiving core that we all expect to take a step forward as well, it feels like 2021 for Oklahoma is not just another going to challenge for or probably win a big 12 title but it, it does feel like it might be time for them to actually challenge for a national championship is, th- is that kind of how you feel about oklahoma what, what's your thoughts on them heading into this year i think they can you know i i think we we talk a lot about you know parity in college football and there's this big debate going on what to do about it i think there are five teams that can win it all next year and oklahoma is one of them I think we, when we think about Oklahoma, it obviously jumps right to offense. Spencer Rattler is, you know, either one of the Heisman favorites or among the, the top Heisman favorites. The skill talent is there. You know, there is a little bit of turnover, but you're really not worried about anything on offense for Oklahoma. I think if you're if you're going to make the argument for Oklahoma to break through and win the national championship under Lincoln Riley. I think it goes to what they bring back on defense. You look at statistically, you know, they gave up 33 points a game on defense in 2018, and they've cut that down to 21.7 this last season. Just as a whole, the defense has gotten better. And it's, it's really about situational stops more than anything in college football now. I mean, if you can excel on third downs, getting sacks, creating turnovers, um, negative plays, you don't have to have an elite defense, but if you can put the pieces in place to get timely stops and your offense is as good as Oklahoma is, I think they can win it all. I mean, I, I like what they have coming back. I've got them in my top five. I think they're one challenge that, uh, you know, some, some other colleagues of mine have, have kind of presented to me is, you know, if you're Oklahoma, your challenge to win a national title probably goes through Alabama, Clemson, uh, Georgia, Ohio State you have to win two of those games to get there, you know? So, you know, I think it's a tough path, but I think that they can do it next year just because of the improvement on defense. And I think that offense is going to be, as we've seen, it's going to be dynamic once again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Let's talk about the team you have number two. This isn't going to be any shock to anybody else uh, either. Iowa State at number two. Um, It does feel like, from a tier standpoint, Oklahoma number one, kind of by itself. I think Iowa State's close number two. I think there's a, a decent dip, and then we get through the rest of it. But I want to talk about Iowa State just for a minute. Obviously, uh, Bill Connolly of ESPN put out his uh, returning production numbers. We knew Iowa State had a lot coming back and a lot of really important pieces. He's got them fourth overall heading into 2021. Uh, has the offense ranked fifth, the defense ranked 25th, um, 88% returning production for this coming year. And I think that plays into a big part of why we see a big year for Iowa State. They're not losing much. The the names you know, so many of them on both sides of the ball, 
are coming back. Obviously, they'll miss Jaquan Bailey, but you saw how close they were this year. The question for me for Iowa State, if Oklahoma is going to be that much better in 2021 as, as we expect, do we see that bringing all those pieces back, is this Iowa State getting another shot at Oklahoma, or is this a situation where they're going to be the second best team, but their shot was 2020 and they missed it? It's a great question. I would kind of lean to the second half of your question. I think Oklahoma is probably going to be better in 2021, and I think Iowa State will be too. I just don't know if they can close the gap to win. And worth noting, they only have to beat them really one time. If they lose once in the regular season and they win the Big 12 championship game and they split the series this year, they could be right there they're in the mix to be in the playoffs so you know they've proven they can win once against Oklahoma and you mentioned the returning production Brock Purdy Brees Hall I love the offensive line development Charlie Kohler's back uh you know you mentioned Bailey on defense that's a big loss but you know we're kind of at the point with Iowa State where we just say Matt Campbell uh, John Heacock on defense they'll figure it out I mean it's really remarkable how far this program has come over the last three or four years I mean we've I've got them in my preseason top 10. I, I would not have guessed that like six years ago to think the Cyclones would be penciled in there. And, you know, they're just kind of at the point to where with the returning production coaching and how far they've come along. I mean, I feel really good about them as the second best team in the Big 12 next year. Yeah, I, I do think it's it's kind of like in years past. We, we feel the most confident and feel like we know the most about Oklahoma and Iowa State. Um, I think part of it is Oklahoma's ceiling. Iowa State, we feel like we know a lot because they have so much coming back uh, for this year. And then the reason I think there's a, a, a dip is because there's that section of kind of three, four, five, six, maybe even seven if you want to go. And, and I'll run through the order here in a second of teams that it's kind of a dealer's choice how would you like what order would you like to put them in because i think they all have things to be excited about and i think they all have major question marks far more questions with all the rest of these teams than than the top two do um you have your order right now at tcu at three followed by texas uh, oklahoma state west virginia and kansas state uh, i'm curious before i go team by team here how big of a gap do you believe there is between number three tcu and number seven kansas state you know, that's a good question. I have TCU, Texas, and Oklahoma State in my top, early top 25. I think West Virginia probably somewhere in the 30, 40 range, and I would have Kansas State a little bit beyond that. So I think all seven of those teams are somewhere in the top, you know, all seven of the top Big 12 teams in the top 50. And, you know, that's kind of a you know, it's kind of a, a vague description because really there's really not a lot of separation sometimes once you get to 20 to 50, like 30 teams are all kind of grouped together. So, you know, if you if you think of Kansas State as, you know, one or two wins better than than I would have them, you start talking about them closer to 40 or so. So, so I guess I would agree with you that, you know, three through seven in the Big 12 is pretty close. Uh, I think, you know, TCU, Texas, Oklahoma State look like top 25 teams. I have question marks about West Virginia, but I think if, you know, quarterback play falls into place, you know, they, they could easily finish uh, much higher. So this is really, I think, kind of like you talked about where the intrigue starts. Yeah, so we we put out ours, and, and now when we put out our two early rankings for the, the – 
the podcast and we put them on Instagram. Um, we had we didn't have the news that some guys are coming back. Oklahoma State's had a few uh, super seniors that have announced that they are coming back, so that we would probably reorder this. But when we put it out, we had a TCU, Kansas State, Texas, West Virginia, and Oklahoma State. Because at the time, it felt like Oklahoma State was losing a lot, and and they they still are. Um, I had Kansas State higher. I wanted to talk a little Kansas State because I I've decided that Kansas State is my. Well, okay, so let me set this up. Uh, since the Big Twelve title game has come back, Oklahoma's been in it every year, and every year they have faced somebody different. They faced TCU, Texas, Baylor, and now Iowa State. So, so my kind of I don't want to say shtick, but the whole thing is that I'm I'm really hoping for an ACC coastal situation where somehow Oklahoma faces every other Big Twelve team before they have a repeat. Now, I don't think that's actually going to happen because of Texas Tech and Kansas, but I'm trying to see how long we keep this thing going. So, my question for this season was: if I had to pick a a Big Twelve team who had yet to face Oklahoma in the rebooted Big Twelve title game, who do I think that could be? Um, Oklahoma State is an option of, of this kind of middle grouping, but I really like Kansas State, and a large part of that is Skylar Thompson is coming back. And I don't think Skylar Thompson is a Heisman candidate or an NFL quarterback or anything that in, in that way, but the guy is a winner. Um, he fits at Kansas State. We've seen how good they could be with him. We saw what they were like without him. Um, Deuce Vaughn is a, a weapon that's really on the rise. You return an offensive line, I think most of the offensive line, which are all five brand new starters last year, I think four of the five starters are all back. You've got a lot of other guys coming back. To me, you add that with the coaching that we've come down to expect from, from climate at Kansas State, the job that him and his staff have done there. Um, and I, I kind of wonder if Kansas State is not the team, if I had to pick a quote-unquote dark horse here, that we've seen they beat Oklahoma twice so far since climate got there. I, is Kansas State a team to you that I know you have them lower that you see a high ceiling or high potential for? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've got them seventh, but I, I think I would sh- I would kind of share a lot of things uh, uh, of what you were touching on there, just because you know it felt like whatever could go wrong went wrong for Kansas State last year, and they were hit hard with COVID and players missing games. Skylar Thompson, uh, you know, he was injured early on. They, they clearly missed him. And I think you know, you mentioned that he's a winner, but, but I think he kind of changes the whole team because the way that they can play offense with him and they can get the running game going with Deuce Vaughn and use him in space and the offensive line being experienced, all of a sudden that kind of changes the whole offense for Kansas State. And, and defensively, they do have some losses in, in the front seven that are going to be key to address. You know, Wyatt Hubert's gone some other pieces, linebackers as well, you know, defensively, you would think that they, they kind of struggled on defense, you know, giving up over 30 points a game, but getting those pieces back on offense will kind of allow them to play closer to the style they want to maybe protect their defense while they figure uh, things out. So I, I, I have them seventh, but, you know, I could be convinced to put them higher because, you know, like we talked about, there's really not a ton of separation here um kansas state is kind of the perfect dark horse team just kind of based upon history i, I think in the big 12 so yeah i, I would agree with you the you know, seventh is, might be a little bit low but really there's not a ton of separation between these teams either so you've got tcu at three i do as well and to me uh, I, I to me i think the pieces from a talent and a player standpoint are there if you go by 24-7's rankings, uh, TCU is the third most talented roster in the Big 12. Now, I don't, I don't, they've updated that with the 2021 class, but this is a talented roster. Quarterback, good. Defense, solid. Like, across the board, 
I'm I'm curious from your standpoint. I I have mine, but what do you think potentially would would hold TCU back from from getting into that Big Twelve title game or passing Iowa State or even Oklahoma this year? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think from from a, you know you, the first thing that jumps out to you about TCU is is just Max Duggan coming back and a full seat full off season to develop with some of those young pieces. You know, Quentin Johnson at receiver, getting JD Spielman back at receiver, the Nebraska transfer. They've got some weapons, and, and I love the running back group. I mean, Evans and, and all those guys, they got some playmakers. I, I am a little bit, you know, I think offensive line is one group I've got kind of circled. They brought in a Memphis transfer. They're losing some guys there. That group has to, you know, get better. I think defensively, they're losing both their starting safeties. They're losing their best linebacker. Like, that worries me a little bit. Those are the only things. Like, I, I think I'm not sure what the side for TCU could be because i think iowa state and oklahoma are pretty solid but i think they're kind of in that solid top 25 range where if max duggan continues to get better the weapons around him um continue to improve as well and they figure out those losses on defense which you know as we know in the in the big 12 you've got to have a good secondary when you're facing rattler and purdy and you know whatever happens at texas and in, in oklahoma state I, you know i think that secondary with the safety losses and linebacker are probably the the things that give me the most concern right now about TCU. Yeah, I, I think my thing with TCU this season is you've got all the ingredients, but for the past few years, especially on offense, I have it has felt like too many cooks in the kitchen that have ruined the soup. And I'm really curious for TCU this year: can the coaching staff get out of its own way? And and figure out what they want to do, especially on the offensive side of the ball, to provide some sense of consistency. And I, and I think that the pieces on offense are there for TCU to succeed. Can the coaches, can they put this all the stuff together and, and, and bring the recipe and make it work? I'm using a terrible job with cooking metaphors, but I think the point is clear. I, I see where you're going with that one. Yeah, I mean, I think for, one thing that was intriguing to me is Kenny Hill being promoted to on staff. You have Doug Meacham. Mm -hmm as play caller now and Sonny Cumbie uh, going for Texas Tech. So it almost, it, I guess maybe in, in my impression of it, maybe that the situation is a little, there's a little bit more clarity. Like it just feels like with Meacham being the play caller now officially, you know, even though he did that before um, that may help the situation a little bit to clear it up. But I, I do think you're, you're right. It kind of felt like there was a lot of ideas and direction of offense, I think is going to be something that, you know, they'll have to sort out because obviously Max Duggan, led the team in rushing. Can they take a step forward as a passer? Um, I'm, I'm interested to see where this team goes because there's a lot of potential. Um, but when you compare them to Oklahoma and TCU or Iowa State, still feel like they're a third there. I, I would be surprised if they pass one of those two this year. So the bottom three in your ranking, you got Baylor at eight, Texas Tech at nine, and Kansas at 10. So I, I, I agree with those situations. Um, of those three, who do you think has the potential to if someone's going to really rise up and maybe finish in the top half this year? I think it's Baylor. Um, I, I think, first of all, you know, Dave Aranda kind of was dealt a bad hand to start with. <laughs> a lot of new pieces, COVID, unusual offseason, and injuries. I mean, everything kind of kind of like with Kansas State, a lot that could go wrong went wrong for Baylor last season. He's already kind of hit the reset button on his staff to some extent, bringing in Jeff Grimes to call the plays from BYU, which I think is a fantastic hire based mm -hmm. upon what he did at BYU. And they just need more offensive production, big plays, 
They've struggled on the offensive line. They've got to find a quarterback. You know, it, I there was one of those stats that kind of like knocked me out of my chair when, I, you know, I knew Baylor was struggling to run the ball. And then I looked at the end of the year, you know, the leading rusher had 197 yards. And I was thinking that can't be right. And I had to go check it at a couple different places. Sure enough, um, it just kind of underscored that offense was an issue. But, you know, looking back, they had some close losses. I didn't think their defense was, you know, I think Aranda later in the year got their defense, maybe figured out what they wanted to do. So I, I would take Baylor just based upon, I don't think they were as bad as, as they, as the record may have stated because of all the cr- the kind of crazy situation going on in 2020. Yeah, no, I look, I agree. I thought that day defense kept getting better and better. And I think that's how Baylor's going to have to win games in 2021 is on defense while they, they worked to figure out the offense, breaking a new quarterback. Obviously, Charlie Brewer left for Utah, which I think was a, a good decision for all parties involved. So we'll see who's the starter there. I, I'm really intrigued by what Dave Aran is going to do in Baylor. I, I think I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of watching very closely Baylor and, of course, Kansas State because Clemens did such a good job there. Um I want to just uh, I've got a, a little quick fire ten questions for you, and that's 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 kind of how I want to I want to wrap up here. Um, so some of these are we've been doing this with guests uh, for this year. Some of these are, are sports related, and some of them are not. So you don't have to give me long answers. We're going to go through these kind of quickly. Um, are you are you ready to go? Yeah, fire them away. All right. Okay. So number one, uh, go to Waffle House order. Ooh, you know I haven't been in a long time. So I would say just give me the basics, man. Pile on the pancakes and waffles, whatever you got. I, I, I'm all about that. Very good. Okay. Uh, favorite conference to cover? Um, I would go probably just with the SEC. I live in SEC territory. It's just like the super crazy fans and all the weird storylines all the time. So I'd go SEC. Okay. Hey, I, I asked, so it's, it's, it's okay. Uh, favorite Mel Brooks film? Oh, man. I don't know. That's a tough one. Which uh, which one would you pick? Mm. Spaceballs is good. Young yeah. Frankenstein is fantastic. Um, yeah, those those would be my top two. I, I would go Spaceballs. That one that one's an all timer for me. <laughs> yeah, that's it's good. It's good. Uh, favorite Big Twelve mascot. Favorite. I got to go West Virginia. <laughs> gotta go with west virginia my, my actually i i have some family from west virginia so i i i, I sort of just kind of default to them on on uh, on the mascot very nice very nice uh what would your parents have named you if you had been born a girl Ooh, um i don't you know that's a good question maybe um both of my grandparents then what their first name starts with an e so maybe something with an e um you know i mean the like eleanor and eileen were their names so that's a little like older um so maybe i don't know maybe one of those okay all right uh best big 12 game from 2020 oh man um i have to go probably i'll default to the big 12 championship game because i I just you know the stakes were so high and just watching you know how that game played out i'd go oklahoma iowa state yeah, no, that was a that was a good one. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars, definitely. Okay, uh, if this wasn't your job, what what would you be doing for a living? Man, that's a great question. Um, I you know I love history, so I'd probably be doing something like boring with history. So I I would say history or working with like technology or computers. I would I would think. Okay, all right. History's not boring. Um. Best Big 12 coach to interview? 
I would I would want to interview Matt Campbell. I, okay. I think just his, you know, his whole mantra, culture, outlook, everything. I would love to interview him. Okay. Nice. Uh, last one. Uh, is Texas back? I think they will be better under Steve Sarkeesian. I am not ready to go like national title, like good. I think it's it's one of those things like please prove it to they go prove it to me and then I'll pick it. So I, I think Sarkeesian's a good hire. I think Texas will be better. I'm not ready to pick them to win the Big 12 or win the national title. So they're not necessarily back, but they're better. Okay, good answer. I like that. That's a, that's a solid <laughs> answer. Um, okay, so I I, I, I want to wrap on this with, with a little Iowa State again. Um, obviously, Matt Campbell signed his extension, big extension. Uh, I believe it's a seven-year, eight-year. I, I forget the exact length, which is good on me. Uh, of course, he got a little extra money for his assistance as well, which is it's a great thing to do. I'm curious from your standpoint, you know, I, we see people have talked pretty much ever since Matt Campbell had any success in Iowa State that he's going to leave anytime. He's going to leave anytime. He's going to leave anytime. And I've, I've reached the point where I'm like, okay, I'm not saying he won't, but I'll, I'll have that conversation when he does. But, you know, we see fewer and fewer power five head coaches leave for other power five jobs unless they are the cream of the crop. Clemson's, Alabama's, Ohio State's, Notre Dame's, where you know you're going to have a real true opportunity uh, to win a national championship. From your standpoint with Campbell and Iowa State, they, both sides are very happy with each other. Everyone's everyone's kumbaya there in Ames. How long do you see this marriage between, between Campbell and Iowa State going? Is this a situation where he's going to be happy to be there unless there's one, maybe two dream jobs that open up for him? Or... Should Iowa State fans go into every offseason having to listen to people continue to say, oh, he could leave here, he could leave here, he could leave here? Yeah, I think if you're Iowa State, like I think it's actually a good thing your coach is connected to all the big jobs. Like You may get tired of it, but at the same time, it means he's doing something right. And the fact that his name always comes up with the top openings, it, it says that Matt Campbell's doing a heck of a job at a really difficult place to win. I, I think as far as like what what could get Matt Campbell – away from Iowa State like I, I, I somebody once told me um, he works in this industry and he once told me he says you never know what makes a guy tick you never know what job is going to appeal to them when you're talking about coaches and if you're Matt Campbell you have a really good job the expectations are not to win a national championship every year Iowa State's got a great fan base they're doing all they can for your assistance and your facilities and you know as long as you're winning and you're happy you know, there's no need to jump to like the, the next best job because all these jobs pay pretty well. So I, I don't think he necessarily, if, if I don't think Matt Campbell's necessarily going to leave for the first like big power five opening. I think there are like three or four I would watch and that's Michigan, Ohio state, Notre Dame, maybe Penn state. And the odds of those opening up next season are, you know, I would say Michigan, the most likely probably pretty small. So, you know, I think if you're Iowa state, you know, enjoy it because like we talked about, I mean, they were in our top 25 for the first time since we've been doing a magazine just a year ago. And now we've got them in our top 10 and, and we're talking about them as a potential playoff contender. It's uh, it's never been a better time to be an Iowa state football fan. That's I, I think that's the, the feeling. Yeah. I agree on your point of, I know it's frustrating sometimes. I think it's, I think it's because the way so often people talk about it is less to do with congrats to Matt Campbell and being successful and more to do with why in the world would you stay at Ames? But I do think there's a certain amount of like, this guy's awesome. Like enjoy it, whether it lasts another year or another 10 years, just, you know, enjoy every minute of it because 
look, there's plenty of fan bases who, who have been awesome and have been struggling through mediocrity or worse after a great coach left. So enjoy it. This stuff doesn't always last forever. Yeah, absolutely right. I mean, I can tell you from from talking to Tennessee fans when the job opened, <laughs> they were they were all about Matt Campbell. Could we get Matt Campbell? And I was like, you know, guys, I, I know the Tennessee job pays well, but the national title, it, it was in 1998. Matt Campbell's got a good job. I mean, there's no rush. He gets it's paid well. There's, you know, the expectations are are you know you know pretty reasonable. I don't see any reason you would leave. And, and sure enough, uh, they went with Josh Heupel, but. You know, it is interesting to just see guys like Patterson who've remained at TCU, uh, Campbell at, at Iowa State, you know, some others have come up too. It's just the the coaching thing in college football has changed a lot. There's just, there's so much money everywhere. Everybody's on TV. You can recruit easier. Um, it's, it's interesting just to see the longevity and how long some of these coaches will stay there like Matt Campbell. Um, I, I should say too, one other thing. I hope I didn't offend anyone by picking the SEC. I only picked it just because it's nonstop <laughs> craziness for, for 365 days a year. And, and you should see some of the, the messages that we've gotten from SEC fans over the years. I could have a, uh, a uh, interesting podcast with some stories I could tell about SEC fans. Well, you know, there you go. There's an idea for, for, uh, for the next Athlon Cover 2 podcast. Uh, just talk about some of the things that, that SEC fans have sent you. That would be... That's you know you get into to May and June sometimes there's that quiet period it's a good time to to find some creative podcast topics so um, Stephen as always thank you so much for joining us always appreciate you having you on the show uh, for everybody who wants to check out the work that you do uh, where can they do so Yeah absolutely thanks for as always for having me on it's always a pleasure AthlonSports.com you can follow us on Twitter at AthlonSports and you can also follow me at AthlonSteven. Happy to uh, to always take questions and engage with the uh, college football fans. Yeah, and of course, guys, if you are a podcast or a fan of uh, sports podcasts, which if you listen to this one, I would assume you are, uh, give that cover two podcasts a follow. Uh, Steven and Braden do a, a fantastic job on that show. I, I listen to it on the regular. You guys are, it's good stuff. It really is. Much appreciated. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's uh, you know, it's, it's a struggle to find topics sometimes, but I think we muddle th- our way through it. <laughs> well, like I said, you got one weird SEC emails. There's a, if yeah. I'd, I'm pretty sure everyone would enjoy listening to some of the insanity that comes from, from emails from SEC fans. Yeah. I, I, uh, I could tell you a, a small story about how one time I, there was a, an email sent to uh, someone very high up on the company food chain asking for us, a couple of us to be fired because where we had a coach ranked, in our coach ranking. So that, that was a good, that was a good day at the office. <laughs> That's one of those emails you pass around to everyone. So they have, you know, just, just to lift the spirits. A little. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that coach was, uh, was dismissed the next year. I, I we didn't hear much after that. So. <laughs> uh, very good. All right, Steven, again, thank you very much, man. And, uh, and we'll talk again uh, when we get closer to the season. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Podcast Network.